0: Welcome to the Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the Climate Tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, The people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech will need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tactical Toolbelt Climate Tech, Fifth World's podcast, where we talk to folks who are on the forefront of decarbonizing the built environment. And today we have the fantastic opportunity to talk to Kidos Asfam, who is the co-founder and CEO of Cubic. Kidos, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. And uh, where in the world are you? I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. Fantastic. It's been years since I've been in in Nairobi, but I'm hoping to be back on the African continent actually in a in a month here. But I think it'll be a while a while before I'm in uh, East Africa again. Yeah. So so I would love to hear just a little bit before we hop into what it is exactly that Cubic does. But just to hear about your entrepreneurial journey, how did you get to founding this company? Because I I always find it's fascinating how people wake up one morning and decide that they're going to throw off the shackles. Of a, of a corporate job and go and start their own thing?
1: Well, I grew up in Ethiopia for the first 16 years of my life, uh, mostly in the 80s and 90s. What I saw was days where Uh, There was no running water or electricity is out for, let's say, three, four, four days of the week. And that used to be really frustrating for me. And that really motivated me to get an engineering degree. And back then, what I was hoping to do was come back to Ethiopia and build the largest hydroelectric dam. And somebody has beaten me to it right now. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, so, so I've gone back to the U.S. afterwards, got a degree in biomedical electrical engineering, and that actually gravitated me more towards software. So I spent the early days of my career at Google and Accenture really solving some complex software problems. One of my favorite things to do was localizing Google Maps into Amharic. Uh, which actually brought up the the usage of Google Maps in Ethiopia. After several years in corporate, uh, my heart really drew me back uh, to Ethiopia, to the region. And that's when I decided to go back to grad school to uh, learn uh, a bit more around development and economics. And... The last 10 years of my career has been at the World Bank and UNICEF, really trying to look at the intersections of how technology could play a role in in how a country grows and how you can uplift society. And these were the moments where I actually realized, you know, there's a lot of power in working with these really big organizations. But I also saw the power of the private sector to really be the driver around economic development. And that's when uh, recently I decided to make the leap and joined Cubic as a, as a founder and as CEO.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's actually not very often that we see people who have bounced between you know, purely corporate uh, and then sort of the, the NGO side of the world and then also done some entrepreneurship. F- fascinating background. So, okay, well then let's hop into it. You saw a problem out there that inspired you to, to go and solve it. So what was that problem that made you really, really want to go and co-found a company?
1: Trash. <laughs> I I I grew up seeing trash build up in Ethiopia. Ethiopia, especially the capital Addis back in the early 90s was this quaint green relatively poor country. But by the time I was in high school, there were so many roads, so many buildings, so many people there, and a lot of unmanaged waste. So uh, if if I thought of an origin story for how I saw this problem, it was back then. Uh, but then yep. that, that problem actually came back in my work at UNICEF. Uh, I was leading an innovation design team, and I was called up by a, a great friend and mentor of UNICEF Ivory Coast, who basically called me up and said, there's a lot of trash and we need to do something about it and his rationale was really simple he said look urban poverty is growing because cities are growing and it's not sustaining enough people to live prosperously in it and a lot of the waste is being unmanaged and dumped into these communities and this is what it's doing it's elevating the type of diseases that most of us might not be experiencing let's say in san francisco or new york like malaria. Diarrhea is one of the number one killers of kids. It's actually causing diarrhea in kids. So from a UNICEF perspective, we were seeing this as an existential issue for the future, which are children. So my team uh, and and, and the office there started to really think about what we can do. And one of the things that we really want to look at was a circular economy approach to to Mm -hmm. solving this. Fast forward several years later, I'll tell you a little bit more about it uh, when, when we talk about Cubic, but we actually saw an opportunity to be able to take trash and convert it into useful building materials to actually be a driving engine for growth in a city like Abidjan Ivory Coast. Yep, got
0: it. So so essentially you're seeing these, these dual problems hand in hand. One problem is there's just frankly too much trash around lots of single use plastics, plastic bags, you know, Coke bottles, things like that, right? But at the same time, we have a housing crisis. But how, how big are these problems? And I'm sure that many people, if they've, if they've traveled to much of the developing world, they've seen this problem firsthand. But for, for most people listening, maybe, maybe they haven't. So just how big of a problem are these dual problems here of just too much trash plus not enough housing?
1: Well, just in Africa alone, let me give you two numbers. Uh, there's about 70 million tons of plastic waste that's being produced every year. And this is the waste that we know about. Unmanaged waste is the biggest issue on the continent. So 70 million is what's been counted. So if you just multiply that by five, that might be the real number. On the other side, like I said, cities are growing. Affordable housing is a big issue. There's about 100 million affordable housing units required in Africa by 2030. And that's an expensive endeavor, not only for uh, large organizations like UNICEF and World Bank, but just for governments as well. So, so these are the two things that kind of create this vicious cycle of urban poverty uh, w- within the continent that I love, I've grown up in and are pretty familiar around.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, I think we've kind of beaten around the bush uh, a little bit. Obviously, we think that that cubic has a solution here. So, so what is the solution that that you've uh, developed?
1: So we're converting plastic waste into building materials. Now, this uh, what are building materials? We're talking about bricks, columns, flooring, and roofing solutions. But these are essentially what you use to build anything from a house to a school, to a clinic. What really fascinated me about the work that we started in Ivory Coast and became the inspiration for Cubic is they are five times less polluting than what's being used right now to make things like uh, cement-based housing. But at the same time, you're absorbing about five tons of plastic waste to make about a 700 square foot ground floor, single story house. So there's a lot of trash that we can actually remove and still be able to provide an affordable alternative within the real estate market.
0: Yep. Um, So we should almost think of this as uh, kind of like, I don't know, massive Lego blocks in a building system where each of those blocks and columns and and all of the pieces are made out of recycled plastic waste that's being pulled out of the environment,
1: right? You got it. And the reason why we love Legos in this case is it means we don't have to use cement. And cement is a big contributor to pollution. And as long as we can remove more of that, the better path that we put the real estate industry toward hitting climate change goals.
0: Yep. And what I really like about solutions like this is part of the problem why there is such a massive trash problem is because that trash is quote unquote worthless, right? And therefore it just gets thrown away. If you can have a valuable use for it, right, like building houses with it, all of a sudden that trash actually is valuable. And now it economically starts to make sense to pay people to go and pick it up, right? Things like that, or for people to not throw it on the street in the first place, right? So it's kind of like a very nice economic solution to what otherwise someone would have to go and spend NGO dollars to pay people to clear up a space. You've kind of harnessed the invisible hand of economics here to actually help make this a reality by creating value out of that
1: waste. Exactly. There's there's two incredible opportunities that Cubic has stepped into. The first is governments actually prioritizing the cleanup of waste, especially plastic waste. And they are in providing commercial incentives for recycling to happen. So as Cubic, we're not a recycling company. We make building materials. Becoming a demand generator for a recycling industry is an area that we hope can actually grow and incentivize more people to be managing waste, especially in a city like Addis, where there's over 700 tons a day being produced.
0: Yep, absolutely. Now let's maybe maybe go into a little bit more of the sort of technical minutiae here, because I know a lot of people have tried similar things, but the problems here typically are things like the, the quality of that waste coming in is so terrible that you end up with really bad quality bricks, right? Uh, recycled plastic typically smells bad. Plastic is not good for from fire safety point of view, right? Like there are a lot of technical hurdles here to actually using this stuff. So maybe walk us through some of the the biggest hurdles that you've seen in this space and and how Cubic has solved them.
1: So, so to be honest, the biggest hurdle that we have is being able to get enough plastic. While while there is a growing industry around recycled plastic waste, it's still growing. And the amount that we need is just not enough for the demand that's or the supply that's already available. Now, what we've been able to do is get film and rigid plastic. We don't care if it's LDPE or HDPE. And we're able to mix that with... Two types of solutions, one that actually prevents fire or flammability, and then the second one to ensure there's no toxicity. We're able to use that in a different set of proportions, use an emissionless way of melting it. So we use the friction of plastic to be able to melt it so that we actually don't have to produce any kind of pollution in the air. And then molded into the desirable products that we have now you're right there's there's still issues that we need to solve so one of the biggest ones that we saw in Abidjan is we're getting super dirty plastic and in the beginning we were just melting that and it just was not working out so what we had to do was actually create a recycling line within our production so that we are washing and drying it now the encouraging thing that we've seen as cubic in other countries is there are pre-processed plastic waste that's available. The funny thing when we talk to a lot of waste providers is they're actually exporting that into countries like China where they actually do transform it into other products. So now we're providing them an incentive to actually locally sell it. And that's the part that really excites me the most.
0: Yep. Well, actually, I, you know, you you kind of touched on this. Part of the real problem that that we're in is that the big off takers of a lot of this recycled plastic, like China, have recently, you know, over the last couple of years, stopped taking it, right? And so yeah. we've actually got a massive glut in the world's recycling sort of ecosystem that there aren't any large off takers. And. This actually, uh, maybe the back of the envelope math here is because there's such a massive demand for housing and you can use so much plastic per house, you could actually soak up a
1: lot of that demand, right? You got it. So if if you think about any given year, a small factory that Cubic sets up can absorb anywhere between three to 4,000 tons of plastic waste, or sorry, not three, I'm going to repeat that. <laughs> uh, it, it's It's going to soak up close to 10 to 15,000 tons of plastic waste. And we can make anywhere between three to 4,700 square foot units using that. And we're talking about a small factory. What it really excites me right now is while we're starting off with something that we're really familiar with and have already done in, in Abidjan, we've built over 300 classrooms. What we would be able to do now is really focus on product engineering. So you've already alluded to certain challenges that we faced. We've circumvented, but not 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 to perfection. So for example, is there a way that we can soak up more plastic And can we pack in more plastic waste into a building? Or can we actually make this a go-to-market product outside of an emerging market, let's say like the US, where there's tons of plastic, it's just that you don't see them. And these are really where the opportunities lie for us to end plastic waste.
0: Yep. Got it. And then let's maybe also just talk a little bit about the the product itself, right? These sort of Lego blocks and the system that's used, because I'm, I'm sure that there are actually a lot of advantages to building this way, right? Like buildings just going up faster, not needing skilled labor, things like that, right?
1: Exactly. So, of course, we can make single-story units fully using our product, but we deliberately sell building materials because if you have a 40-story affordable housing unit, we can still supplement the walls and partitions using our product. That can be anywhere between a 15 to 20% saving on material costs for a real estate developer. So one of the things that I forgot to touch on earlier is the affordability aspect of our products. So while the sustainability and social angle of what Cubic is doing is at the core of its mission, the key driver for success is affordability, right? And being able to drive down the cost of building materials is what's going to incentivize not only the NGOs of the world, like you mentioned earlier, to use this, but commercial real estate developers where most of these projects are happening. So yes, it's, uh, it's like Legos. You are getting various components to make walls, to make partitions, to make flooring tiles, or roof shingles. And what we are providing as a service is if a client comes in and says, I want to build a thousand schools, or I want to make 500 public latrines, we actually design the building that they desire. And then we're able to provide the materials needed, kind of like an Ikea in a box.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. But I think what what maybe we should underline here is that these are pretty universal problems, right? Too much single single use plastic going into landfill and not being recycled and also housing crises, right? So as you said, a hundred million houses need to be put into into Africa. The US is behind by, you know, tens of millions of houses as well. This is why the housing is so expensive here, right? Europe has the same problem. So I, I don't think we should even think of these as you know emerging market or, or um, developing nation opportunities. This is a a product that in theory could work anywhere around the world. And your goal here is to have it be a high enough quality product that, frankly, it could be a global solution, right?
1: Exactly. One of the things that struck me when I got into the trash world is I used to think most of the trash exists in places like Ethiopia or places like Nigeria because you see it right? You drive on the street and you see trash. But Africa as a continent is one of the least plastic waste producing continents. The largest ones are obviously Asia. It's places like the US. We did an analysis where plastic waste generated in San Francisco alone is about the same amount of three small low income countries combined. (laughs) <laughs> right it's right it's just that you just don't see it so there is a yep. plastic waste problem where you are right now greg it's it's just that yep. you don't see it and what we want to do is cubic is find utility for it and address things like a housing market a shortage
0: yep well, I mean, I, I think actually San Francisco is a fantastic case in point and, and Oakland and most of the Bay Area here, right? Because, okay, obviously we're creating the plastic waste, right? We've got tons of it. We, we all unbox all of our, you know, Apple products right, and, and have tons of these things. But then at the same time, we've got a homelessness crisis here, right? And And it's a travesty. So small, low-cost housing solutions are sort of top priority for, for all of the cities around the Bay Area. So this, it kind of seems like a, like a no-brainer in here, you know, one of the richest cities and richest uh, states in the world. So it's kind of like, if it can work here... And it can work in the middle of Africa. Those are basically the two ends of the spectrum, right? That means that it can probably work just about anywhere. You got it. Fantastic. So look, I, I always love products that kind of nail two, maybe three problems at the same time. So the, uh, the fact that this is, you know, we're nailing plastic waste, we're nailing a housing problem, and it also happens to be better for the environment all at the same time. is kind of like the three legs of the stool. And typically it's kind of you can have something cheaper, better, or faster, and you can only uh, only pick two, but it's very rare you find something that can that can nail all three aspects here. So this was fantastic. Thank you so much for for taking the time. Uh, where can people go to find out more about cubic?
1: Build cubic and cubic is spelled k-u-b-i-k dot com.
0: Fantastic. That's right. Okay, so head to buildcubic.com and also Maybe drop them a line, send a note to kittis And thank you very much for taking the time today. Very inspiring product and uh, hoping to see more of it here in the Bay Area.
1: Thanks, Greg. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.